What's up, M12? How you guys doing? Yeah. Man, it has been too long. I missed you guys. It's been like forever, right? Oh, so sweet, so sweet. Uh, so yeah, last week we did not have M12 uh, because we were too busy celebrating America. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, uh, real quick, how many of you for 4th of July, you did some grilling out and you ate some steak or chicken or something delicious on the grill? That's what I'm talking about. That's it. Uh, how many of you for July 4th, you went to the lake and you went swimming? Yeah, is that, is that some people? All right. Okay, uh, here's another one. Um, and by the way, this is a safe place, okay? We're all friends. We're not going to tell on one another. Uh, how many of you got some illegal fireworks and shot them off on Friday night? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We got some rule breakers. That's it. Well, uh, for 4th of July, I actually, uh, in the morning, I ran, I ran the Peachtree Road Race. Anyone else? Anyone else run that? Did you really? Well done. Well done, you guys. We got some athletic people. Actually, this is a picture that I took after, after the race was over. Uh, so that's me on the left, obviously. And then uh, right here is my cousin, Greg. He and I ran together, and then also my uncle, Jay. So it was kind of a family deal. We got to run together, which is awesome. Now, I love this picture for, like, many reasons. Some of you can already tell some awesome things about this picture. Here's one thing I love. My cousin, Greg, he is rocking some American flag chubbies. Like, that is the most patriotic thing you could do. So he actually ran in chubbies because he stinking loves America. So well done, Greg. Uh, so that's awesome. And then uh, the other thing I love about this that some of you might appreciate is my uncle, Jay is rocking a mustache, man, and he's rocking that thing hard. Yeah, I love, by the way, I love mustaches. I think they're amazing. I used to have one. I had a nickname, Steve the Mustache, at one time, and so I appreciate that. Now, here's the thing about my Uncle Jay. He's been rocking that thing since before I was born. For over 30 years, he has had that mustache. Like, I literally have never seen him without a mustache. Uh, I have no idea what, um, what his upper lip actually looks like. Like, for all I know, he may not have an upper lip. He just has hair. I don't know. Uh, but it's awesome, man. I love, love the mustache. So 4th of July was awesome. Obviously, we miss you guys. Uh, now, the week before, some of you were here, uh, but I was actually not here, which was sad times. We had a guy named Jeffrey Wright come and speak. How many of you were here? You enjoyed Jeffrey? Yeah. Jeffrey is awesome. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. Went to UGA as well, which is always, always a good thing. Uh, now, the reason that I was not here is because I was in a little country called Haiti with some of our students. Yeah, in fact, uh, leaders, uh, high school leaders, and also we have an adult leader as well. If you went to Haiti, could you stand up real quick? Let's see, let's see all the, we got some Haiti people, one in the back. It was awesome, man. Haiti was incredible. In fact, we got a picture of uh, some of the students on the way to Haiti. We were all on the, on the airplane, uh, uh, airplane getting ready to go. We had 24 high school students and seven adult leaders that went to Haiti, which was really cool. We got to do a lot of cool stuff. Um, one thing we did was we actually learned Creole, which is the language everyone in Haiti speaks. Uh, and so this is neat. So, uh, for instance, kabwit, kabwit means goat, okay? And so all throughout Haiti, you're going to see, like, goat on the side of the road. And so kabwit, kabwit. Um, also, you can see goat on, like, your dinner plate as well because uh, they stink and love goat all the time, and so that was, that was a lot of fun. Also, this is really easy to learn. Cow in Creole is beef, is beef, kind of like beef, right? It's just beef, it's beef, so which is awesome. Now, now this is good. So uh, here in America, right, when you pass someone that you know, uh, you, you, know you say, hey, what's up, or you kind of give them a head nod. Well, in Haiti, if you see someone that you know or you want to say what's up, 
the uh, translation for what's up is sac passe. Sac passe. So let's say that real quick. Three, two, one. Sac passe. That's it, man. You guys sound good. So that means what's up in the Haitian Creole. Now, here, right, here in the United States of America, when you pass someone and you say what's up, there's kind of a variety of responses, right? You could say, uh, you could say, oh, nothing much, or like, oh, I'm just chilling, or you could just kind of give them a head nod or whatever. But in Haiti, there's only one response. When someone says sac passe, there's literally only one thing that they say, and that is naboule, okay? Naboule. So, so real quick, I'm going to say sac passe, and I want you to say naboule. Sac passe. That's it, man. Like a, like a local Haitian right here, man. That's good. All right. Naboule, literally translated, means on fire. On fire. So when you ask someone how they're doing in Haiti, they say, I'm on fire because it's so stinking hot in Haiti. It's like 100 degrees all the time, and we got to have a fun week without air conditioning in Haiti, and so that was, that was really cool. So sac passe naboule means I am on fire. Um, and so you know that song that's like, this girl is Naboule. You know that song? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that's not, that's not it at all. Uh, anyway, so that's what it means. Naboule means on fire. Now, uh, another thing that we got to do, actually, two Wednesdays ago, so uh, the day before you guys had M12 when we weren't here, is we actually had a church service of our own, which is cool. We, uh, we gathered up in this, uh, in this small little chapel, um, and it was, it was small by, like, American standards, but by Haitian standards, it was actually very large. And so all of our group kind of gathered up in a circle, and we sang worship songs together, which is awesome. I think it was like the first official H12 in Haiti, uh, which is awesome. So we all sang songs together, and then we had some of our students actually share their testimony. So they talked about like all the stuff that God had done in their lives. And it was, I'm telling you, man, it was a, it was a powerful, powerful night. Uh, and then once that was over, like we all got our flashlights and got ready to go back to our bunks. And... We found out that we actually had a friend that joined us halfway through, and we had no idea. Uh, and so I've actually got a video of the friend that joined us. Uh, check it out. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. Um, just a man-eating tarantula in the middle of the chapel. There was a tarantula chilling. Actually, this is true. What, like while we were singing and worshiping and stuff, it was like super reverent, and we kept hearing this dog bark. And we were like, what is up with this dog? Like, why does it keep barking? He was barking at that, right? It was like, it was afraid of that thing right there. And so that's what we, uh, we had fun worshiping with our tarantula friends uh, in Haiti. Now, here's another neat thing that we got to do in Haiti is we got to meet the leadership council of Circa D. So Circa D is the town that we got to hang out uh, in, in Haiti. And we've actually got a picture. This is, this is uh, these aren't all the people from the leadership council, but this is uh, four of them from the leadership council. And uh, we took this picture because we found out that they just recently bought some land. So they're actually posing in front of the land that they just bought. And this is really cool. So instead of us as Americans like getting on a plane and like going over there and like here, here's some money. We didn't do that. They, on their own, raised money and bought this land. So local Haitians, the leadership said, we need to buy this land. And here's why. Because in Circa D, that's a small town in Haiti. Um, there is no hospital, uh, and there's no clinic, and there's no medical facility, there's no like urgent care place, uh, and so if you get sick, then there's really only two options. Uh, one, you just kind of stay at home, and you hope to get better, uh, or you walk miles, because there's no car, so you walk miles to the nearest town that actually has a medical facility, 
Uh, well, as you can imagine, the leadership council was not okay with this. And they said, we need a medical facility here in Circa D. And so on their own, they, they had the vision, they had the dream, they, uh, they got together, they raised the money, and they actually bought this land, which is awesome. And so we took a picture of them, and we said, all right, this year we're going to take a picture of you in front of the land, and next year we hope to take a picture of you in front of the clinic uh, that you have there in Circa D, which is really cool. Now, uh, I want to tell you just a little bit about this guy right here. Uh, his name is Osley. Osley is from Haiti, grew up in Haiti, and he's actually the treasurer of the leadership council. So he's the guy that handles all the finances. So when they got together to actually purchase the land, Osley was the guy that uh, made sure that everything went through and that they actually paid the money. Uh, now, Osley, this, on this one particular day, he actually told us about kind of a typical day in the life of a Haitian. And so he told us how he grew up in Haiti and what his life was like. Uh, and then after he was done, he actually asked us to share. And he said, you know, what is it like to live in America? Um, which is like, dude, that's crazy humbling. Um, because, you know, he's, he's telling you about, like, the life of a Haitian. And you're like, yeah, I get three meals a day and I never go hungry and I always have plenty of money. Anyways, it was, it was, it was very, very humbling. Um, and then after we were done kind of sharing about each other's lives, uh, he offered to pray for us. Uh, which may come as a shock to some of you because some of you may think like, oh, well, a mission trip is like you're going to bring Jesus to like some other country that doesn't know Jesus. Um, here's the deal. Jesus is in Haiti. <laughs> like he is alive and well in Haiti. And there is unbelievable stuff that God is doing there. And uh, instead of us being a blessing to them, I think they were more of a blessing to us. And so he actually offered to pray for us. Uh, now, he uh, does not speak English. He only speaks Haitian Creole. And so while he was telling us his story, it was being translated where he would kind of take the Haitian Creole words and then give us the English words. And so when he offered to pray for us, we had to have a translator there to actually uh, pause after each, like, phrase, and then we would listen to the English translation. And even through, even through the translator, this prayer was unbelievable. I mean, this guy had such a passion such a fervor for God. It was unlike anything I'd ever heard before. Like, there was some sort of spiritual breakthrough that was happening. There was emotional breakthrough. Like, I was literally brought to tears just listening to him pray. And that was even through a translator. And, like, he was quoting scripture. He quoted at least, like, five or six verses to where I was, like, standing in awe at this prayer. And at one point, I just kind of looked around, and I'm like, I think we're doing it wrong. Like, I don't think we know how to pray. Because this guy, Osley, dude, he's doing something different. Man, there's something different about his prayer. Because, like, you know, usually, like, when we pray, it's like, dear God, thank you for the day. Um, give me an A on the test, even though I didn't study. But, like, you can perform miracles, right? So let's do that real quick on my test, right? Or, God, would you give me the wisdom um, to get three stars on this game? I can't seem to do it, God. I need your help, right? Or, God, would you get him to notice me? Would you get, would you get her to notice me? All right. or, or, you know, maybe your prayer is like, God, could you just, like, change my parents? Could, like, just complete, like, just give me new parents. Could we do that for a second? Like, you know, like, so that's our prayers. And then we get to Osley. And Osley's going for it. And he's got this connection with God that I've never seen before. And he's got these, uh, like, I'm telling you, there's something powerful, tangible about his prayer. And I start thinking, I just don't think we're doing it right. Like, I don't think we know how to pray. And I think, I think that the disciples of Jesus felt the exact same way. Because, see, there were many times where Jesus would go off by himself to pray. And after he was done praying, his disciples would look, and they were like, dude, something's different. 
like, Jesus, you have this connection with God unlike anything we've ever seen before. There's, like, more fervor and more passion in the way that you pray. In fact, um, this, is, this is Luke, one of the followers of Jesus, actually wrote this one down. Uh, he said, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. In other words, Jesus, we're watching you pray, and I don't think we're doing it right, man. Could you teach us? Could you tell us how to pray? And thankfully for us, Jesus actually answers this. He actually teaches us how to pray. And so I want to look together at what he said, how we should pray, as it's found in Matthew chapter 6. So go ahead, grab your Bibles. They should be under your chair or maybe kind of in your lap. Uh, I want to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is on page 970. Page 970, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And uh, here's the cool thing. Jesus, in this passage, lays out kind of the model prayer. Like, this is, this, is, this is what prayer should be like. And for some of you, this is going to be a very familiar passage. Um, it's on page 970. So for some of you, you're going to get to this passage, you're going to see it, and you're immediately going to recognize it. You're going to say, oh, I remember that passage. In fact, if you grew up in Catholic church, you probably actually memorized this passage. Uh, maybe some of you even sang this passage in a song before. So, so these are very familiar words. You've probably heard them before. Um, but I want to I caution you against just kind of glazing over the words. Just saying, oh, no, 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 I've heard that before. Because I'm telling you, there's something powerful about the way that Jesus prayed. There is. He had this emotional breakthrough. He had this spiritual breakthrough, this relational breakthrough that I think if we're honest, we all would love to have. And, and, and there is not power in like the specific words that Jesus said. It's not like if we just say the exact thing he said or we, or we just like, you know, we copy the phrases exactly that there's going to be power. That's not it at all. See, spiritual breakthrough does not come from repeating his words. It comes from reflecting his heart. It's about the attitude that Jesus had when he prayed. So, so as we look at this, don't focus on just the words. Focus on the attitude that Jesus had when he talked with God. And so this is how it starts off. Matthew 6, verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Pause. Pause. And see, Jesus is saying, before you go any further... Before you give your to-do list, before you tell God all the things that are on your heart, I want you to just recognize, just stop and think about who it is that you're talking to. You need to realize that you're addressing someone that is incredibly powerful and incredibly near. And so before we go on, we need to pause and we need to think about these words. So this is how he starts. He says, our Father, our Father in heaven. And when Jesus said this, he said two unbelievably powerful words. He said, Father and heaven. Father and heaven. I'm telling you, when, when, when Jesus said this, this was something that was earth-shattering to them. And I know that many of you have probably heard these words before, but to his followers, this was crazy. Because Jesus, Jesus right here says, Father, he uses an intimate word. This word is so, so intimate, so close, and so near. Because up until that point, everyone else addressed God, and they said, Oh, great God of the universe. Oh, oh big, majestic God. You're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. And all those things are true. But when Jesus addressed God, he said, Dad. Dad. 
and he uses a word that's so close and so intimate. And yet at the same time, he recognizes you are in heaven. You are not on earth. You're in heaven. You created earth. You created all the stars in the sky. You created every tree that we see, every emotion that we feel. You are in heaven. And so he says that, God, you are intimate, you are close, and yet you are infinite. You're huge. You're bigger than we can imagine. But you're closer than we know. See, Jesus addressed God as intimate and infinite. He addressed God as intimate, near and close, and infinite, huge majestic, unbelievably large God in heaven, you are also my dad. You're my dad. Now, now I want to go back to, to, to this first line, our father in heaven, our father in heaven. And I want to talk about this word, father. Because father and dad, these are, um, these are emotionally charged words. And what I mean by that is when I say father, and when I say dad, there are emotions that rise up in you even though you don't mean for them to. Even though you're not trying, when you hear father and you hear dad, there's something inside of you that, that, that feels a certain way. So for some of you, when you hear dad, you think of someone who is loving, someone who's caring, someone who knows you, someone who's gracious to you. For some of you, when you think of dad, you think of someone who's nice, right? Like, like he cares about you, but, um, but he's more of like a pushover, you know? And you can just ask him for stuff, and he'll, like, give you money and stuff. And that's, you know, that's how you think of, that's what you think of when you think of dad. For some of you, when you think of dad, you think of a disciplinarian. Someone that, it's just, it doesn't really matter what you do. It's just never quite good enough. You just never quite measure up, and it seems like the rules are always a little bit too strict. It's difficult with dad. Some of you, when you think of dad, you think of someone who works all the time. And, and like he works to provide for your family because, you know, obviously food isn't free and, you know, you need to pay for the, pay for the rent and stuff. But, but he's just not really there a lot because he's too busy at work. For some of you, when you think of dad, you think of someone who's just not there at all. He's absent. He's gone. Maybe, maybe he left a long time ago. Maybe he left recently. Maybe God took him away too early. And he's just not around. And then for some of you, when you think of dad, you think of someone who's abusive. And verbally abusive or emotionally, physically abusive. And so when you start thinking of dad, all these emotions rise up in you. And there's something that you need to know today. When Jesus addressed God as his heavenly father, our God is not the reflection of our dad. He is the perfection of our dad. He is not the reflection of your dad. He is the perfection of your dad. And so for those of you that are blessed to have a great dad who loves you, who cares about you, who's gracious to you, who knows you, your heavenly father is even more that way. He's even better. He loves you even more. He is even more gracious to you. He knows you even better than that. But for those of you that have a dad who's harsh, a dad who just feel like you never measure up, maybe a dad who's absent, your heavenly father is not that way. See, there's a gap that exists between who your dad actually is and the dad you wish you had. And there's always a gap. And for some of you, the gap is really small. Some of you, it's huge. And you wish he would be more loving. And you wish he would care more for you. And you wish he knew you better. And your heavenly father fills that gap. 
Everything that you want in your earthly dad is found in your heavenly father. Your heavenly father is more loving to you than you can possibly imagine. And he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. And he is not verbally abusive. And he's not emotionally abusive. He's not physically abusive. Your heavenly father is not the reflection of your dad. He is the perfection of your dad. And so when you pray, you're not praying to someone who is just like your dad. You're praying to someone who is even better. And so Jesus at the outset begins to pray. And he looks towards heaven. He says, dad, dad who is perfect. Dad who loves me. Dad who knows me intimately and who is gracious to me. You're bigger. You're bigger than I can possibly understand. You're huge. You're creator. And once you get this, once you get our Father in heaven, once you come to terms with the fact that your dad in heaven is not the reflection of your dad on earth, but the perfection, then we move on to this. Hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed means, uh, it means like set apart. It means different means other than, it means like it's in a different category. And so Jesus is saying, God, your name, just your name is in a separate category. It's different than anything else. It's different than any other name that's ever been uttered. There is literally power in just your name. In fact, the people during Jesus' time, they had such like reverence for the name of God, they wouldn't even write it down. So when they would refer to God, they would only write down part of the name because they thought that the name of God was too precious and too holy for us to write down. And Jesus is mimicking that, and he's saying, your name is even better than that. It's huge. You got a big old name. You got a big old reputation. God, you are big. You are big. And so Jesus looks towards heaven. He says, Dad, intimate, heavenly Father, you are so big that even your name is big. And once you get that, then you're ready to move on. But I'm telling you, too, like, like, like too often when we pray, we say, hey, God in heaven, cool. All right, here's the things that I want. And you move on and you completely look past who God actually is and who you're actually talking to and how incredible God really is. And so I think Jesus would say, before you move on, before you go too quickly, make sure that you get this. Dad in heaven, intimate and infinite. Your name is big. And then here's the next thing he says. It says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, but your will. Your kingdom. See, some of you may not know this, but um, all of us, all of us have a kingdom. Every single one of you in this room, uh, you have a kingdom. You have a kingdom. Uh, you've got a kingdom. You've got a kingdom. You've got a kingdom, Right? I've got a kingdom. And here's the really cool thing about your kingdom is that you're king of your kingdom. Man, it's awesome. You're queen of your kingdom. You are like the head honcho of your kingdom. And you build your kingdom through stuff like uh, Instagram likes, through retweets, um, through, through popularity, through the friends around you, through the stuff that your parents have, the stuff that you have. Um, you get to build like your, your kingdom through the amount of money that your parents make, um, through the amount of like stuff that surrounds you. Um, at your sports recognition, all of that is your kingdom, and you're king. And so all of us naturally, even though we don't like mean to, we all naturally want to build our kingdom. Man, our kingdom is incredible. Our kingdom is great. Um, after, after we ran the Peachtree Road Race just this past week, uh, I already showed you this, but this is a picture that we took. 
and uh, it's, it's me and my cousin Greg, and uh, yeah, there we go, it's me, my cousin Greg, and my, uh, my uncle Jay, and uh, me and my cousin are like pretty much the same age, and so right after we were done, we both handed our phones to our wives and said, hey, can you uh, take a picture of us? And so they took this picture right here, and then immediately we posted it to Instagram, um, because why else would you take a picture, right? Like, obviously... Obviously, you need to share it on it, like, like, yeah. So, so, so we immediately put it on Instagram, and then after we were done, we went and we, like, walked to this, um, this place to go eat, and we sat down and had food and all that good stuff. Now, after we were done eating, uh, I noticed that my cousin Greg was looking at his phone. And then, and then after looking at his phone, he goes, dang it! I was like, what's up, dude? He goes, okay, you and I posted the exact same picture on Instagram. You have 79 likes. I only have 13. And he got upset. He got so upset because when you compare his kingdom to my kingdom, my kingdom was way bigger. And he was so upset. And I got to be honest, man, I loved it. It was awesome. In fact, many of you are the reason that I got 79 likes. Some of you even commented about something about a burpee body. And it's fine. It's whatever. Um, Totally good. Totally okay with that. Right? And it felt so good because I'm king of my kingdom. And in that moment, my kingdom was growing. My kingdom was advancing. My kingdom was getting bigger and bigger. And Jesus steps in. He says, it's not about your kingdom. (laughs) It's not about your kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. It's not about the things that you want. It's about the things that God wants. See, See, true prayer, true prayer is focused on God's kingdom, not mine. And so when you pray, it is not about growing your kingdom. It is not about convincing God to start building your kingdom. But rather, it's about us surrendering and saying, God, I want to I build your kingdom. It's about saying, God, whatever you ask of me, even before you ask me, the answer is yes. God, whatever you want to do, okay, okay. And God, I've got some stuff that I want like some things that I really would like for you to do. But if you say no, then okay. And if you tell me to wait, then I'll wait. And God, if there's a moment where like it's a choice between my kingdom and your kingdom and there's conflict between my kingdom and your kingdom, God, I want your kingdom to win. It's your kingdom come. It's your will that I want to be done. It's not about me. It's not about the things that I want. It's about your kingdom. It's about your kingdom. Um, About uh, a year and a half, I found out that um, the Sugarloaf campus, this campus, was without a student pastor. And uh, I can't, like, I can't really explain it, but for whatever reason, when I heard the news that there was no student pastor at the Sugarloaf campus, um, my heart, my heart, like, went out to you guys. And it went out to the students here. It went out to the campus. And I felt like, man, I want to do that. Like, I want to be there. I want to I lead the students. I want to love the students. I want to pastor the students. I want to I be at the Sugarloaf campus. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, man, that's what I want. That's what I would love to do. I'd already been at 12 Stone for about a year. And, uh, and so I thought, I, like, this makes sense to me. It makes sense that there's an opening and, like, I'm available and I can do that. I would, I would love to be the student pastor of the Sugarloaf campus. So I even started talking to some people at 12 Stone, and I said, hey, um, I know there's an opening, and I know you guys are probably considering a lot of people, but I, I just would love to kind of 
put my name out there, that I would love to be considered um, for the job. And, uh, and at first, the conversations were, like, really great, and it seemed like things were kind of moving in that direction. And then the conversations began to fade, and a few months passed, and I didn't really hear anything. And then finally, I actually talked to, to one of the leaders, and I said, hey, I just, you know, I haven't really heard anything. And he said, yeah, yeah, it doesn't look good. I don't, I don't think you're going to, you know, be able to do that. And then more time passed, and, and uh, it just didn't look like it was going to happen. And so then one morning, I remember after, after all this had happened, I was, um, I, was, I was praying in the morning. And I was actually doing exactly what we're talking about tonight, where I was praying through the Lord's Prayer. And I was, um, and, you know, so I started off, uh, and I was like literally on my knees, um, and, and, and I said, Dad in heaven, oh my gosh, like I get to call you Dad because you sent Jesus to die for me. Dad, you know me better than I even know myself. You know all the, all the crap that I try to hide from other people. You know that, and yet you love me. Like, you know the number of hairs that are on my head. God, you care for me, and yet you're bigger than I can even think about. I can't even wrap my arms around you. You're giant, and you got a big old name. Like, your name is in a different category. It's separate than any other name I know. And then I got to this part. And I got to be honest, man, I, I really wanted that job. And it was my kingdom. It was the thing that I wanted. And it was tough to pray this way. It was tough to honestly like mean it and say, your kingdom come and your will be done. But I remember, I remember where I was, I, we, I was in the living room and I was on my knees and it, it was like morning and the sun was coming through the blinds, and so it was literally like streaks of light on the carpet, and I could see it, like I can still see it now, and I was crying, because it felt like I was giving up a dream, it felt like to say your kingdom come, your will be done, meant I was releasing the thing that I literally wanted, and I wanted it so bad, but finally I said, okay, God, if you've got someone else in mind for the Sugarloaf Campus, and if you want me to be somewhere else, then okay. Then your kingdom come. Then your will be done, God. Even though that's not what I want, you know I prefer something else. But if this is what you want, God, okay. Okay. And obviously, you know that that's not the end of the story. And it was a few months later that I got a phone call. And it was one of the leaders at 12 Stone, and they said, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, um, but there's a position open at the Sugarloaf Campus, and we would love for you to be the student pastor there. And I, I don't, like, I can't definitively say this. I don't know what would have happened. But I wonder, I wonder if that spiritual and emotional breakthrough that happened with me getting the job only happened because I surrendered my will to the will of God. Again, I don't know, but I just wonder, I wonder if it was that moment when I said, God, whatever you want, that I was able to get that. And so, and so I wonder for you, if there is a spiritual breakthrough, maybe a relational breakthrough, an emotional breakthrough, something that you've been waiting for, and I wonder if the key is to submit and to say, God, 
that's not what I want. That's what you want. It's whatever you want. And the length of your prayer is the time it takes for you to say this and actually mean it. And actually mean it. To be able to lay down everything before God and say, God, I really want this. I really do. But if you want it, then it's yours. God, whatever you say, the answer is yes. Even before you ask. And so just imagine. Just imagine if, if us in this room, just the people in this room, what if we prayed like this? What if, like how different would our prayers be if just the people in this room actually prayed like Jesus? Like this week, would you commit? Would you commit to praying like Jesus? Would you commit to praying like Jesus this week? Where you begin and you, you begin by addressing your Father in heaven. And then after addressing him and coming to terms with who he is, you would lay down your kingdom for the sake of his kingdom. And so maybe this week, maybe there's some of you that are going to try this. And you're going to begin praying. And the breakthrough moment for you is that, is that you need to recognize that your dad in heaven is not like your dad on earth. Maybe there's some of you that as you actually begin to pray and you begin to have a connection with God unlike anything you've had before, that you would recognize that your dad in heaven is not the reflection of your dad, but the perfection of your dad. Maybe this week you would recognize that your dad in heaven is not abusive and he will not leave you. He actually loves you. And he actually cares for you. Maybe some of you this week, you've forgotten that you're talking to a God who is bigger. Bigger than you give him credit for. Maybe you treat God like something you can just carry around in a backpack and you pull him out every now and then you ask him for something and then you put him back in. And maybe this week as you begin praying like Jesus, you recognize you're bigger than that. You're so much bigger than that. You're greater than anything I could possibly imagine. Your name is so big that why would I want to live for any other name? Because your name has been around for thousands of years, even before time began, and your name will continue on long after I live. Why would I live for my kingdom? Why would I live for my kingdom anymore? Your kingdom is so much better. It's going to last so much longer. It's so much stronger. Why would I live just for the things that I want? Maybe some of you have been holding on so tightly to your kingdom. And as, as you've seen bits of your kingdom begin to slip away, you get more and more angry because your fist is so closed around your kingdom. That maybe this week, you begin to let go and say, God, this is tough, but your kingdom your will not mine and don't rush through this stay as long as you need to if it takes you a week to get through the first line then take a week but be real with God be real with God true prayer is focused on building God's kingdom
dad. You've adopted me into your family. And it's not because of anything that I've done, and it's not because you're oblivious to all, all the mess of my life from my past and even from my present. Dad, you've adopted me into your family because you love me. <laughs> like, you know everything about me. Um, the stuff that I try to hide from other people, you, you still know that. The stuff that I'm ashamed of, you know it, and yet you love me. God, you love me more than my earthly dad does. You love me more than my best friend does. You love me more than my wife does. You love me more than anyone on the planet. And yet you are bigger. You're bigger than all of them. <laughs> You're not human. You're not on earth. You're in heaven. You made earth. You made everything, every emotion I feel, every doubt I have, everything that I see, God, you made that. So dad... You're big. And your name, your name is unbelievable. God, we can't even know your name. That's how, that's how huge you are. That's how big you are is that we can't even begin to fathom just your name, much less the full, every aspect of, of your character. So, Dad, I want to lay down my kingdom. And I'm sorry that I've been living for my kingdom. I'm sorry that I've been like all about me and about the things that I want. And um, my kingdom is not really that big and it's not really that good. And so I would rather be a servant in your kingdom than king of my own. So dad, whatever you ask of me, however much it hurts, the answer is yes. Whatever you want, I'll do. I just ask that you stay close to me because you're my dad and I need that. And I pray this week that these students will begin addressing you the way Jesus addressed you because we don't know how to pray, but Jesus does. And so would, would you help these students to just grab onto these first few verses? pray like you prayed and would you give them the patience to pause and to stop between every line so they would recognize how big you are and how good you are dad we love you and we ask that you would do these things so that these students would grow closer to you and recognize just how good you are in Jesus name